Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Uh, here we go. We got Chris Wondolowski here, former teammate. Played against him actually probably more than I played with him, but uh, his stats speak for himself. 2013 Gold Cup champion, Gold Cup Golden Boot, two-time MLS Cup winner, two-time Supporter Shield winner, two-time Golden Boot winner, three-time MLS Best 11, five-time All-Star, 2012 MLS League MVP. He is the all-time leading scorer for the San Jose Earthquakes and for Major League Soccer. He is the reserve league leading scorer of all time. He was the MPSL MVP all-star leading scorer. He was a D2 All-American at Chico State, currently sitting on 158 goals in MLS. I, uh, I'm a numbers guy. I ran the numbers. If you look at all those things I just mentioned, he scores a goal almost uh, every other game, which is pretty crazy to think about. And uh, welcome, welcome to the show, Chris Wondolowski. Hey, thanks, Bobby. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, some good numbers there. I was looking at it. If we combined your numbers, uh, your goals with my goals, uh, we're almost to 200. And seeing as you're still playing, I think you need to pick it up if we're going to get there. That's my honest opinion. Hey, that's all right. If we we can combine that, I, I like that. Are you counting own goals as well or just... Uh... Well, no, see, <laughs> now you took a cheap shot there. If you, if you include own goals, if you include own goals, we're already there, brother. Uh, I like that. Uh, we're good to go. So, uh, but, but no, we're going to dive into some stuff today. I, I would like to go way back to, uh, I don't even know, do you remember the first time we met? I do. do you... I remember, yeah, the first time we met, um, it was actually our physicals. We're down in Houston and you came in a nice uh, cowboy hat and some boots. And uh, I kind of remember, remember that uh, exchange and remember meeting you. Yeah, well, see, this is, this is why I get to do this, is that I have an impeccable memory. <laughs> and uh, we actually met... Uh, even earlier than that, we met in preseason. Uh, our both of our rookie years. Uh, I was uh, I was dating a girl in Charleston. Her friend lived there, and I came. Uh, I came to the house ah. for an after party, and there was a bunch of guys from the uh, San Jose Earthquakes there. I brought you guys a case of beer. You guys had a little more fun than I did. <laughs> I had my head split open from Ante Razov, and uh, I was bleeding like a like a stuck pig, but. You guys partied into the night. It was a good time. I, I do actually remember that. That was uh, that was a good time. Charleston's always uh, a fun place. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we did play together in Houston, but um, I, I just want to say it's been a pleasure to watch you. You know, you were a teammate. You were a great teammate. I, I don't think anyone predicted at the time you would go on to the career you had, and I'm sure you've heard that over and over again, but we really want to talk about some of that stuff. And the first thing that comes to mind is I'm going to tell you a quote. You tell me who said it, and then we'll go from there. Uh, work your ass off and keep your mouth shut. Uh, definitely dad. Pops Pops told me that. Uh, yeah, going in. Yeah. And the question is, is that at what point uh, did you stop listening to it <laughs> in terms of playing on the field? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I kind of get a little, little heated out there. And so especially with the refs, uh, I like to end up talking way too much. And uh, yeah, I usually get myself in some trouble. And uh, I also remember many times with uh, you being a captain as well and uh you just laughing at me or like talking about i don't know certain calls everywhere but uh yeah i haven't learned that one to keep my mouth shut with them yet well see i think i think that's kind of a a, a cheap answer i think you're playing games with the ref it, and, and you're smart you're getting you're you're acting like it's emotion but i think there's some tactics involved you you know you never you never talk trash to the other team meaning you're not you're not telling me I stink or anything like that, but you were definitely uh, you were definitely working all angles. And is that is that kind of a a psychological thing you like to get into, or uh, what's your? Is there really no method to the madness? No, in that? I mean I, I definitely want to get my point across. Um, you know, especially looking out for teammates and everything like that. I think a lot of it's just like nervous energy where I want to yell at myself or teammates, and uh, I've I've been able to uh, just hone it in on refs and take it all out on them. So uh, unfortunately for them, but uh, I think some of it has to do with that. Some of it does have to do with trying to work, not work them, but just understand where they're trying, what they're thinking, why they're trying to 
call, you know, certain calls or certain things and how they see the game. Uh, you know, if you understand their perspective, then I guess it helps you as well uh, to try to get the best advantage. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I you know, I hated refs <laughs> for most of my career. I, I think I dislike them even more now as a fan. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. But um, I, I noticed one, you're, you're kind of always, uh, you're always chatting up someone. You're always kind of playing with a little smile on your face. So I, I think there's a little bit of a, an evil grin in there. And then I know you're always chewing gum too. Is that, is that a tribute to your boy MJ or, or what's, uh, what's up with that? I don't remember you chewing so much gum when we played down here, but I could be wrong. On yeah, that. no, I mean, I definitely kind of picked up that habit even more. I'm a uh, very superstitious at times. I don't know, just certain things. Um, and gum was one of them that all just all of a sudden I liked it. Uh, you know, I liked having it. I think it's starting in Colorado because you get that bad cotton mouth and, uh, Oh no! I think that's where it started, and then had a good game. And I think ever since then, I uh, just always have gone. Okay. Well, I uh, I I would say I, I go back to it. You were never the one talking trash to the opposing team, and and thinking about the guys you played with over the years. Uh, I I kind of wrote some names down here, and I, I I don't know if there's a more I don't know what the word is maybe outrageous group of teammates mm -hmm. that a guy could have played with and over his career than you and I'm gonna read some names <laughs> out here and and uh, you tell me you tell me what stands out in there but you know I, I, John Bush undersized goalie you got Stephen Leonard you got Gordo Jason Hernandez Quincy uh, Bernardez uh, you got Sam Cronin he played with uh, the Hatchet Atiba Joe Cannon. <laughs> Brandon McDonald, you got Eddie Robinson, Jeff Cameron, Stuart Holden, Mike Chabala, Dwayne D. Rosario, Ricardo Clark, Paul Daglis, Danny Califf, Craig Weibel, Alejandro Moreno, Roger Levesque, and then my uh, personal favorite all-time uh, intimidation team, Troy Dyack. <laughs> I mean, I would put that group of guys against any group of guys in terms of personality differences and weirdos, uh, you know, and, and you know, and any any team anywhere in the world, and uh, you know, you got to think these are the guys that have kind of shaped you over the years. So, what what do you have to say to something about about that group? No, and I'm actually going to throw you in there as well. And uh, I think that does uh, shape me to exactly who I am. And uh, I'm a kind of a interesting, just out there guy. Um, have a learned a little bit from each one of them. Learn how to be crazy like Eddie. How to uh, overcome physical attributes like Bush. Uh, you know, I've learned Lenhard to be one of the nicest, uh, but craziest guys. And I think I learned a lot from him. You even throw like Alan Gordon, you have Sam Cronin. Yeah. So many guys that, uh, those, all these memories now are just come flashing back, uh, when you name all those guys. And it's pretty cool that, uh, I get to call them friends and teammates and there, I really did learn something from them. And, uh, yeah, that's probably where some of my craziness comes from as well. Yeah, I would say I, I'm thinking, you know, you got, you got the Goonies and some of the, the Bash brothers and, uh, you know, even your time here in Houston, some of these guys. I, I laugh because we always joke around. Jeff Cameron, when he scored his first goal, he broke Brian Ching's nose <laughs> celebrating. And and I feel, like, I feel like if there was one thing you took from that Dynamo team – it was, uh, you know, violence after the goal. And, and, and I mean, are your guys afraid of you after you score goals? Because I, I sure as heck would Yeah, be. that's uh, that's kind of the joke now is that you don't want to be the first one to greet me. And it's always, uh, it seems to be like a new new teammate that always wants to come and uh, try to give me a hug. And I I'm, I'm get pretty excited. I've, uh, I have probably thrown a couple punches, uh, you know, to the gut to a couple guys. And uh, it's usually now I'm trying to just take it into a big bear hug. And uh, yeah, I try not to tackle them while I do that. I have tackled Tommy Thompson, actually. Right. It was his first assist. And I like full on just kind of came from the top ropes and came with a jumping hug thing that ended up tackling him. And he said that was his first thing. He's like, I should have known better. But uh, I don't know. We we're both pretty excited. Yeah, I was going to say that when they give you an assist, they, they seem to turn <laughs> and run back to the, the get, get in their starting position and try to get away from you. But no, it's great, man. And, and we talk about some of those other guys. I'm always curious about the forward dynamics. You know, I know goalies, for instance, they don't always get along with each other. And I've been on some teams where forwards didn't get along. But you seem to be a guy that that everyone gets along with. And I don't know if that's the way you, you portray yourself or how you carry yourself, but do you feel like, do you feel like you've, you know, you've seen other teams and how forwards don't get along. Uh, do you feel like you have anyone, you don't have to name who they are, but do you feel like you have some guys that 
you didn't get along with, or has it been pretty uh, pretty good for you over the course of your career? No, I've been so lucky where I've had such great teammates, and um, you know, I definitely do try to pride myself as well as being a good teammate and just being a good person. But um, you know, even right now, just Danny Hosen, he's one of the best strikers, you know, in this league right now, but is still a great teammate, great friend and, uh, love having him. But I don't know. I learned, I learned that thing with Houston, you know, it was pretty cool. It was very competitive and it was just kind of being a good teammate. And that's what, if you put the team first, then good things end up happening for yourself. But also, you know, when you win championships and get to win a supporter shield or win games, it's, uh, it makes the locker room more fun, makes practice going in there, even in the Houston heat, it's still, uh, still is enjoyable to go out there and play. Okay. I'll take that PC answer. I, I, I think it's, <laughs> I think there's more to it than that. You know, I, I, I think that you're a good compliment guy. You compliment other guys well. And I, I actually think you're not real threatening uh, on, on paper. And I think that, you know, we can, we can kind of dive into that a little. But, you know, I think that guys, they think, oh, I'm going to get in there and I, I'm faster than him or I can, I can, uh, I can jump higher or I'm more, I'm, I'm stronger than him. But, um, you know, you, you seem to have, that ability that uh, that you can't teach, and I think that when guys realize that you're just a purebred finisher, and you know, you, I remember you would you would lead the lead the the team in goals and practice, and you, you always scored, and it was something that you know you couldn't really put your finger on why it just was one of those things. And uh, do you think it's maybe a lack of threat that these guys they they come in and they don't have any uh, you know they don't have any animosity towards you because they might think they're gonna they're gonna step over you and, and be the starter at some point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that could definitely play a role into it. Um, you know, I'm not too intimidating. I'm not. I do like to you know try to fire guys up, and um, you know I do remember literally wrestling with Lenny a couple times to, uh, just from random things and uh, things of that nature. But I do. I think that kind of just unassuming. Um, you know, that's kind of how I play as well. And I think defenders. You know kind of lull them to sleep as well. And so it's, um, yeah, it's something that I kind of use as an attribute, but it's also something that, you know, I don't think I do. I am threatening, you know, especially in the locker room. Yeah. And I, and I think it's funny you say lulling them to sleep. I, I think that you just do the, you do the hard work all the time. And I think, you know, I, I played against you and I prided myself uh, and that I never gave up a goal yeah. to you until until the end of the until the end. <laughs> but it was like uh, you know it it was one of those where you, you had to follow you on every run. You had to follow the ball up every shot. You had to pretend uh, every time the bad thing was going to happen. And you know when I watch you play, you just you just never take a play off. And and you know that's not that's not a little thing. I, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, and I, and I I think that 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 one it's inspiring for younger guys. But at the same time, I, I think that's kind of an unteachable skill. It's a it's a, a will to always do the right thing. And um, when you talk to your kids and and these kids that are out there, do you tell them? Do you tell them that? Do you say, hey, you you can be me? Because I, I don't think it's quite that simple that you could say, oh, I'm, I'm unassuming and and I do these these little things uh, because that's just not the truth in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a big message I try to pass along to, especially the youth and anytime I coach or anything, is that you just always have to believe in it. You always have to kind of be the forever optimist. And I'm lucky where I play a position where I can take chances of how things are going to go, you know, right for me, you know, where as a defender, you always have to kind of be a pessimist and think about when things are going to go wrong and try to prepare for that. And I get to take chances. And if you believe, you know, that, it really will come. You will get that rebound. You might have to make, you know, 25 runs that don't, it doesn't come and you kind of have to just jog back and that sucks, but I'll, I'll take, you know, an extra 20 yards of running for that one time it does come. And so, I don't know, it's kind of just always being that uh, optimist and just have that belief that's going to come. Well, speaking of young guys, you, uh, do you, do you mentor the young guys on your team a little bit? Or are you still, you still grinding, uh, you know, worrying more about what you're doing day to day than, than those guys? No, it's, it's actually one of those things I'm really trying to take on and trying to, I don't know, I really take pride in it now trying to help them. Uh, we have one kid who's, uh, 15 years old and he's, he's legit. He's awesome. His name's Cape Cowell. And, uh, his parents are both 36 years old. Um, I'm older than both of them. And so, uh, you know, I kind of do take him under my wing a little bit and, um, you know, just try to show him the ropes. He's 
physically talented and he's going to do big things coming up, but, uh, you know, try to pass along those little tidbits that I've been able to learn and, you know, pass them down to him because, I mean, I remember, you know, guys like Brian Ching and uh, Dwayne DeRosario and Brian Mullen, especially, you know, helping me and taking me under their wing. And it was, uh, it, it really helped me, you know, helped me understand the game, helped me understand what it takes to be a professional. And uh, I, that's something that I've always really appreciated and, always look forward to giving back, but it's weird when, like, when do you become a veteran? So, but it's kind of taken that time now where I I'm embracing that and I actually really love it. Yeah. So you've been a professional longer and he's been alive. Yes. Yes. That's exactly. Yeah. And does, does he remind you of that or do you, do you just know it and you just accept it? I, I know it and then, but I just always have like little comments. Like I had a dumb and dumber joke the other day and I mean, he was completely lost. Um, you know, <laughs> I had, a, you know, just a, I mentioned a song and, or a movie and just no clue, just a blank stare. I'm like, oh man, my, my daughters are closer in age to him than they are, than I am to him. But that's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's still fun though. Yeah, I had a I had a guy in D.C. tell me uh, he watched a, a documentary. He said there was a guy that played football and he drove in a white Bronco around the highway <laughs> and he wasn't even alive for it. I was like, you talking about O.J.? He's like, yeah, yeah, that was his name. Have you heard of this guy? And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> it's about time. But it's funny yeah. you mentioned that Pat Onstad was older than Danny Cruz's parents and he, and he was like, man, this is... We I listen to the same music they did instead of the guy I'm in the locker room with. So it's kind of funny. You've you've come full circle from yeah. from Pat Onstad to to now you're doing it to Cade Cowell. So that's kind of cool, man. Yeah. Well, speaking it of, is it is it's kind of cool. Speaking of locker rooms, uh, you know, I was looking back. It, it looks like you went when when we started in the league. Um, it was a mostly American locker room. <laughs> and now I look around the yes. league and I, you know, I call a lot of games and I look at these, these rosters and it is quite diverse. I, tell me, tell me how you've handled that. I mean, are you, are you learning any new languages? What, what's, uh, what's it, what's it like to see this transition over the last couple of years? Cause it's, it's gotten even more, uh, diverse even in the last two years when I retired. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's pretty crazy. I think we have something like 14 different languages that we can speak in our, in our locker room. And, um, I'm learning Spanish. I can't speak the, the language to save my life. My conjugations are absolutely awful, but, uh, I, I can definitely understand now. Um, we have a translator just for, with our coach and our coaching staff. And so Spanish is the big one that, uh, I've been able to kind of, pick up and enjoy, but I actually, you know, it takes you out of your comfort zone, which I actually really like. And, uh, you know, we, I like learning about the different cultures. I like learning different, you know, about different countries and, uh, different heritages and stuff like that. And so it's, uh, I actually am loving it. It's now we, um, Matias Almeida, our coach is really into music. And so he wants, you know, music on the bus and even after games, you know, win or lose. And, um, but now we're, we're all throwing, we have to throw in a song, you know, a song. So now we're, we're all over the place with our music, but it's actually kind of cool. Um, you know, we have some Brazilian samba to, you know, some German music that I don't even know. I'm not sure if it's David Hasselhoff or who it is, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's impressive. Um, you know, we have this it's probably Hasselhoff. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's gotta be right. Um, and so we have, you know, this French rapper and it's, uh, it's kind of cool to hear it all, you know, just the different songs and different languages and see how it all comes together. But, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Well, you mentioned your coach. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I, I just saw a, a photo of, uh, y'all had like a, you know, I think right before you kind of turned it around this year, you had a photo of someone posted a photo of him online with a barbecue and he had on like, he had on this full blown, like butcher, Looked like a Dexter Morgan outfit, you know, like he had knives, like he's chopping up bones and, 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 uh, kind of an intimidating picture. I know it was, you guys kind of got together maybe as a group barbecue. Tell, tell me what that was and if that was, uh, cool for you or weird for you or intimidating for you. Cause it was, I had a range of emotions just seeing that picture. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that's actually a pretty good description of it. And, uh, so he puts on barbecues every so often. We've, I think we've done like four or five. Uh, we actually have one later tonight, um, where he cooks and won't let anyone touch the barbecue. He has his whole, he has to get special, special charcoal and these brisket bricks and, uh, you know, the meat he cooks, he, uh, he is very serious about it. And I've had something, you know, I think I had cow glands, I had 
I've had ribs and these ribs are just amazing and you know some steak with some chimichurri it's uh it's pretty impressive how he goes about it and does it and it's pretty cool to just see him you know he treats everyone with the same respect doesn't matter if you're the owner or a groundskeeper he's uh you know very passionate about that and um just a good man and so it's kind of cool to see him behind there uh you do not want to touch any of his knives or any of his gear um because then i think that's why he does wear that uh that whole smock <laughs> and uh everything because it, it could get it could get messy after that there you go but uh no i appreciate i appreciate it no, it's funny to hear how you light up when you talk about food. Good old, good old Dees. <laughs> Dees loves his food, man. Right through the pace, the taste palate. So, absolutely. All right, man. Well, question uh, before we get off the teammates. I'm myself fascinated with with the Native American culture, and I know that uh, it's a big part of your life, and it's, it looks like it's a bigger part going forward. Are, are any of the guys that come from afar are they pretty curious about it? And and, and if so, how do you go about? Uh, you know, how far down that. Uh, path have you taken them? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that something that they kind of start to learn or a little bit understand, um, you know, I've been able to show some stuff and uh, we've been working with N7. Uh, it's a nonprofit chapter with Nike that uh, I'm lucky to be an ambassador for and be able to all proceeds. Uh, they come up with different gear each in the spring and fall and all the proceeds go back to uh, reservations, which, you know, it's in dire need. And so that's something that I take very serious. And I love that I get to help and use this platform to help and kind of spread the word. And, um, you know, especially being obesity uh, is one of the deadliest things on the reservation. And, uh, you know, I think soccer is a great tool that they can use. And it's uh, pretty simple. It's fairly, it's uh, pretty cheap in that sense. And so it's, uh, it's nice to have. But uh, yeah, a lot of guys are pretty interested in it and get to kind of wonder where it comes from and then I talk to him about powwows and what you know what goes on there and uh, again going back to the food they have these Navajo tacos that powwows that I could just absolutely put down I uh, that's like one of my favorites I think but uh, just the whole dancing behind there and uh, the reasons why you're dancing reasons why you're celebrating certain things it's always special to me and uh, I do I do like to be able to share that and uh, actually getting starting to do some with Kyle Beckerman and kind of a joint thing uh, I think in this off season trying to go down to New Mexico and uh, light up some reservations that are still without, you know, light and power or, you know, running electricity. And so it's, uh, it's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Um, seems like you're, you're one of the four, four guys for them in terms of, you know, you, you've been a great role model for your people really, and, and showing them what, what can uh, become of anybody. And let's go back to the beginning. Tell me about 2005. We both came in the league at the same time. I talk about those uh, those times in Charleston and our preseason. Uh, I, I really want to talk about the salary. I, I was on the same thing as you. What, what was your first salary in MLS? First salary was $12,500 on a uh, developmental contract. My memory's better than yours. Again, eleven five was the, uh, was the number. Uh. If you did well, I think you got like a $200 bonus. Um, but yeah, so, so you started 11.5. When did you graduate to the, uh, to the minimum contract? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. It was right after the, so it was about a year and like a quarter. It was like right after, right before the first game of 2006. So, okay. So you did the whole, you did the whole year. I did the whole year. Yep. Whole year, uh, with the minimum. And then even then it was, uh, the minimum then was 24,000. Yep. Yep, I I I got moved up like as well. Twenty four five, something like that. Something uh, something like that. Did what'd you do to uh, what'd you do to supplement? Did you have to? Uh, yep, you know they didn't have Uber back then. So we, what what'd you end up doing? Yeah, so I was coaching. I was uh, big into coaching. I think I coached uh, five days a week usually, and usually had two teams, so about an hour and a half block for each. So about three hours, three hours a day, uh, not including the drive and planning and. Um, drive back, but uh, yeah, about three hours of practice um, each day, and then also had three roommates. There you go. Well, that's see that that's the stuff yeah. I miss is the roommates. But uh, I know <laughs> I'm with you there. Actually. I have roommates yeah, now, but they're fun. they're a lot younger. Yeah, they wake me up a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What? Uh, so how long did you coach for? Did you keep coaching until you went back to San Jose? I, I don't remember if you were coaching here in Houston. 
Yeah, I was coaching Houston actually. Um, I was out by Tomball and Katie. Um, had a team there, and then I moved to Bel Air, um, like the Bel Air Club, and it's now the that's the big bucks. I believe Houston Express. Yeah, exactly. So had a team there. Um, had, it was I think I started when they were U fourteen or U thirteen girls, and I had them through for three and a half years there. So it was cool. And so for three years, yeah. You got moved up. I'd say to your, you know, I played four years at a minimum, and then I got a, a decent contract. Your decent, I think yours was was it after you scored, you know, your first first big season with San Jose, where you scored a lot of like a lot of goals. Was that when you got your first your first big deal for? compared to what you were getting? Yeah, definitely. Um, 2010, I actually won the golden boot, but I was still on just above minimum. I think the minimum was like 40, 40 then, or I think I was on 48 in 2010. Then and after, we thought we were balling then. Dude, I thought I was, yeah, I thought I was making it. I, I thought I was living the big life. I just got married, and so I was pretty excited. Um, you know, even though Lindsay was a teacher and making more than myself, but, uh, you know, at least she didn't make me send a prenup <laughs> or something. So that's good. If I remember correctly, you told me your dad had an interesting talk with you at some point, uh, when you were, you were kind of figuring it out. Do you, do you, you want to share that with us or is that too personal? No, no, definitely. No, I do remember that talk, uh, pretty, very well. Uh, my dad was, now I found out he was trying to tell me and push me in a certain way, but, uh, was wondering if I still was enjoying enjoying the game, and so he asked, uh, you know, how I was doing. I just got, I just was subbed out. I believe at halftime in the U.S. Open Cup game, but it was it was something that I still told them uh, that I loved to come in every day. I loved practice. I loved the team. Um, I still wanted to continue, you know, to try to to do it. I, I thought I was uh, still living the dream, so it was pretty cool, and uh, I'm glad everything worked out that year. You still living the dream? Still living the dream. I'm just uh, holding yeah. on. I'm. I've, I feel like I'm one of those memes where just like the cat has its claws in the tree and just hanging in there. But uh, I feel like that's me this year. But uh, nah, I, I love it. You're though. killing it, man. <laughs> you're killing it. Oh, that's great, man. That's I love that story with your dad, man, because it's all about you know it's all about fun and and you know it is a great life. I mean, there's a lot of stress that goes with it, but. You know, imagine if you'd quit. So I think that's kind of a good story for other people and that, you know, it's not about some people say it's not about the money. And I think you're you're kind of living proof uh, that that it wasn't about the money at the time. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it was definitely enjoyable. It was, you know, did start to have to start thinking about, you know, the family and everything like that. Just uh, was newly married. But um I don't know. I was I was still loving every every second of it, so I couldn't give it up yet. Well, uh, I I laugh now because I you know I I see the data that comes out every year with the the players' salaries and uh, yours is always interesting to me because it looks like uh, you know and I, I we don't have to go into your contract, but it always looks like they have that usually a guy has a number and then a bigger number <laughs> if he hits incentive bonuses, and yours it looks like. Uh, the GM stopped falling for the uh, the incentive bonuses because they knew you were always gonna, <laughs> always going to hit them. Is that? Do you feel like that's something that uh, that was negotiated where they just said, "Look, you're a durable guy. You score you score more than you we always think you're going to score. We're just going to give this guy. Well, here's what you're going to get, but that's we're capping it." Do you feel like that's how it went? <laughs> I kind of did because I the first couple of years they were they were very incentive based. Uh, you know, had to score ten goals, and uh, you know, I definitely like having you know, incentives or goals, because then I feel that you kind of are earning your money. But it was, uh, it was nice. Then after uh, it was, it was actually, yeah, the GMs uh, started talking to me and they were just like, hey, let's, let's work more on just how about guaranteed years rather than uh, hitting these <laughs> bonuses, because it rolls over to next year. If you hit a bonus, uh, it counts against the salary cap the next year. So it keeps, uh, <laughs> it keeps inflating no matter what. So they said, uh, let's work on some of these guaranteed years. I think that's awesome. I, I they kind of did the same with me, but it, I only my I didn't score any goals, so mine was always games played, and and I found a way to I found a way to always hit those. So they eventually cut those out, and uh, you know, kind of December wasn't as much fun. Right, exactly. Uh, that's uh, that was always the nice thing to yeah. Save well, it. you know, this is uh, we we talk about the the PA. You know, we got some uh, some CBA stuff coming up. I think it's, you know, I used to keep track of all the guys that came every year to all the meetings and sat in on the meetings. And uh, you were the only, for years, you were the only forward. Uh, everyone at the thing was either a goalkeeper or a, a, usually a center back. It was like a combination of all the center backs around the league. I, I think it's probably because 
the center backs are the smartest guys in the room, but um, that's you know a little bias there. But uh, you were you were the only forward to come, and and I have to ask, were you really there to? Are you going to these things to make changes and represent the forwards? Or are you just looking for a free trip to Las Vegas? I mean, here? I can't complain with the trip to Vegas. Uh, that was always kind of like the the tipping point. You know, it's those those are some long meetings, and but that was always kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. But um, I do I do like being involved and being able to just kind of voice your opinion on things. And um, I think I've had a bit of a unique side where I kind of, you know, we talked about the early contracts. I got to see what it's like to try to develop and try to, you know, make a living on this. And then I've kind of been on the other end of the spectrum now for a little bit. And so it's nice to still voice your opinion, still, I guess, I don't want anyone kind of get overlooked, whether you're a rookie or been in a, you know, 16 year vet. Uh, you know, I think that it's some important to the CBAs mean a lot. And, uh, you know, I think that it's important to voice your opinion. These are the times where you can slowly move the needle in the league and keep progressing it and keep making it a better league, um, you know, for the player and for the fans and uh, for everyone. And so I think it's uh, it's important I would definitely, I would never say, it always took me about an hour or two to actually wake up for those, for those meetings. So, uh, you know, the first, uh, once I had my coffee, I was uh, a little bit more boisterous and uh, able to pass my opinion on a little better. Yeah, there was always, I, I, we laughed, at, you know, I remember every year there was always one or two young guys that, that would come walking in around lunchtime on the, on the second day and, and everyone in the room would just, would just smile. It was like, you knew that some people just, uh, I think the saying is some people can't handle Vegas. And that was, that was it. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to switch it up here. I, I knew you grew up. Uh, so you grew up watching the clash. Is that correct? You, a you a clash fan, the original guys. I was, I was a clash fan with uh, guys like Eric Winalda and John Doyle and, uh, you know, even, yeah, there's some, some pretty good guys or Paul Holiker, but, uh, yeah, there was, um, fun going to those Spartan stadium games, uh, you know, seeing, seeing that wall about three inches away from the, the end line, but, uh, it was, it was, it was fun games. And I remember, you know, my dad take my brothers and I, you played a year in there, right? I did, yeah. 2005, uh, we uh, yeah played a year in there, and um, yeah, it was kind of kind of fun to see that. Did you uh, did you think going to those games you'd ever be there, or, or was that kind of a pipe dream? No, that was always a pipe dream, and um, yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember going to a game and I got Troy Dyack's autograph on my baseball hat, and so my All Star baseball hat, and I thought that was the coolest thing because that was the only thing I had. For him to sign, but it was on a baseball hat that uh, I had Troy Dyack sign, and I still remember that pretty vividly. And him coming over to the crowd and and signing that, and then you know in 2005 I was his teammate, and um, it was pretty pretty surreal. And oh no, that's some that always stuck with me, and some that I now take pride in and want to sign it all autographs, especially for the youngsters and things like that because uh, that always stuck out with me. Yeah, I've, I've heard some stories. You stay uh, at uh, odd hours after to get everyone, and I know the fans appreciate that. I, I think it's. I, I always like to find out about these guys that played in the league. It's it's pretty phenomenal how many of them grew up watching soccer. So, uh, you know, kind of you've seen it grow over the years. And I say the only way that they can uh, find a team that you haven't scored on is to keep adding teams to the league. So then, you know, eventually <laughs> there'll be someone that you haven't scored on, but. Uh, realistically, you look at all these additional teams and you just think about the communities these kids are in, uh, being able to go see uh, live soccer and, and have that belief, you know, maybe one day they could do it. And, uh, you know, I think how do you feel now knowing that you, you never thought you'd get there, but now you're that guy and, and not just on a club level, you're that guy on a national team level. I mean, do you do you, do you weigh that on your head or, or do you kind of you always seem kind of like the the guy that showed up and just said, "Look, I'm here. I'm gonna run real hard. I'm gonna score some goals, and I'm gonna go about my business, do my own thing." But do you think about that now, kind of uh, later in your career, or no? Um, I think it's one of those that's like slowly sinking in. I mean, it still hasn't even come to that uh, realization, but. I mean, just like you mentioned, I remember, you know, playing soccer in the backyard with my brothers and pretend to be, you know, like Eric Winalda or someone. And, you know, it's crazy to think that someone, you know, would be pictured of me. And so it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's amazing. It's humbling all at the same time because it's, uh, it's, that's what I love about this game. It, it's 
so much bigger than any individual or team. And that's why it's great to see that MLS is still growing and especially going into some of these markets. And I think that it's a nice growth and something that's important for this league. And I hope that it continues to grow the right way. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see. And that's what I, it's a special thing about this game. Yeah, I hope you do cherish it because it, it's funny. to I still see Wondolowski jerseys around Houston, and um, I, I, I swear I think more people bought them uh, after you left than than uh, when you were here. But and that's kind of a testament to how 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 you've persevered. And uh, but we'll, we'll move on. We, we're both big fans of uh, of the American football, the 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 big boys. Uh, I, I give your brother uh, more crap than anyone about the Raiders. I know <laughs> I don't give you as much because I know you're usually playing. But um, you know, we we won't go too deep. I, I don't like the Raiders anymore since they got rid of my boy J- Janikowski, uh, Florida State yeah. through and through. But uh, but I do want to. Uh, one of my favorite guys or quotes from an athlete was from Warren Sapp. I don't think he's really a quotable guy, but he says uh, professional sports is the only sport are the only job in the world where the day they hire you is the day they're looking to replace you. Yeah. I say that because I look at your Indian name as Baldai. Did I say that correctly? Baldai? Yeah. Which is warrior coming over the hill. So my question to you is knowing that they've tried year <laughs> after year, they've brought in forwards from all over the world. And yet here we are, you're, you're, Double-digit goals again. I think you're 14 goals in six seasons, uh, leading scorer of all time. Are you over the hill? That's my question oh, to you, Wando. My age, yes, I'm way over the hill. Um, <laughs> That's not what I wanted. Yeah, to hear. exactly. <laughs> no, um, but I, I don't know. I've always thought, and I've heard, you know, other athletes when they retire, they said, uh, "You just know, you. It wasn't fun anymore." Um, it became a job and the problem with that is I have way too much fun with it right now and I'm loving it. And so I'm not sure if I ever will. So I think I'm capping it after next year. I think I'm going to try to do one more year, but, um, still going to kind of reevaluate after this year, talk with the fam, talk with everyone. Um, I am out of contract and so it kind of depends on how we play this out, finish this up. But, um, you know, I, I think I just want one more, one more year. I think you got the juice, man. Keep going. So let's have you, have you thought about, I mean, I know uh, there's this stigma in sports where if you think about doing something else, uh, you're, you're already checked out, your foot's out the door, but have you, have you thought about what's next for you? I know your dad was a coach. Um, have you thought about, do you want to stay in the game or, or, or are you not there yet? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm slowly, I'm trying to put my foot in some doors. Um, I love this game. I want to be involved somehow, some way. Something that's really interested me, uh, especially as of late, you know, in the later in my career. And we talked about mentoring, you know, kids and everything. And um, I really like scouting. I really like being able to try to identify someone who has, you know, so, something, you know, watch them play, see how they impress themselves on a the game. And, um, you know, I think that I can have a right now have a decent eye for it but I can something that I can really you know excel at and you know especially at that academy level or the youth level and be able to try to identify that and try to identify them of what and also you know what are their strengths but also what are their weaknesses and something that they can develop and at the same time I I don't think I want to go into coaching um I don't know why just I don't think I would do well I would always want to try to make it to the professional level. And if I did, I don't think I would do well with egos um, and just with other people and trying to handle 28 guys that are trying to come together, but at the same time are all, you know, have to worry about themselves. And so it's something that I, I don't know, I kind of like that youth level. I kind of like that. And I would, uh, you know, be, be more inclined to go in that scouting role, I feel. It's funny, not a lot of guys say they want to go that route, but a lot of them kind of end up uh, you know, I know some guys you played with have ended up in that route, um, and they seem to enjoy it. So that's that's cool to to hear that you're thinking about that. I've got a couple more things for you here, and then we'll wrap it up. I want to talk about VAR. Uh, it was pretty much uh, VAR is probably the reason I got retired. In that, once there were camera angles, uh, you know, that could see what I was actually doing to to forwards like you on a regular <laughs> basis, uh, I was pretty ineffective. 
Uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on it, and I'll, I'll tell you why after uh, after I hear your thoughts, why I want to know your thoughts. No, absolutely. I th- I think that I like the premise behind VAR. Um, I think that it hasn't been quite implemented in the right way. Um, you know, I think that it will take some time. I don't want it to become you know, something where every game is now talked about VAR, you know, I think that it, it should be used for some of the big calls. Every, it's again, one of the great things about this game is that there's a lot of gray area and some guys, you know, you ask, you pull 10 guys and they see a foul or a handball and there's five of them that will say it wasn't five of them will say that it will was, and it, uh, always adds for a good debate and good things and there will always be controversy but um you know i don't think that var can step in on that but if there's a very easy call or you know a bad call that was missed or something that was called that wasn't then i like that i like that you know game because you know a lot of these games do come down to one goals or one play or one one you know call and uh i hope that they always try to get get the right one as a fan now, I root for my guys, and you're one of my guys. So I think I, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter. I, I post that I've got a running score of your goals with an asterisk, and that's uh, goals that were called back. So you have the then uh, baseball, you have the home run era, these guys that hit in the steroid era, and I, I think you know your goals would your record's going to be bigger than it was, but VAR is kind of kind of screwed you out of a lot of goals. So that's kind of I know you yeah. have to give. You you have to yeah you, you maybe ten uh, <laughs> and, and we're still going right so right uh, I think they're taking goals away from you and, and I'm I'm starting the movement the uh, the asterisk for for Wando's real goal count so you guys <laughs> you listening to this you can check out my Twitter if ever you want to know what the real number is but uh, all right we got two more things here is it weird and and what I mean by that is you look around the league and you've played with teammates with GMs teammates with coaches. Your teammates with commentators and pundits—is uh, that weird for you? That that all these guys that were your teammates are now kind of moving on, and and it's some oh, probably every stadium you go now, you have either a former teammate or uh, you know someone's coaching across from you. How do you feel when you go around the league nowadays? It's yeah, it's a little interesting. I do like that I get to see them and get to see them uh, doing something that they enjoy and something that they're good at. Uh, most of them are pretty excelling in those, in that profession. Uh, it makes me a l- very worried though, because as you do as well, you have a lot of dirt on me. You know, you've been a teammate, you've seen me in some interesting and uh, interesting times. So I'm, I'm hoping that too much word doesn't spread about me, but uh, you know, at the same time, I, I do, I do enjoy catching up with them whenever, whenever I get to go to town. Yeah, but if I open that can of worms and you open yours and, and neither one of us are, are looking any good there. So uh, it's all, <laughs> That's very all true. in good fun. Do, do you watch, when you watch games, do you, or first of all, do you, you know, I have a couple guys now that I talk to, they don't even watch games. Uh, you know, they, they watch the teams they're playing in the next couple of weeks, but for the most part, they, they don't get too caught up in watching a lot of soccer because they're doing it every day. Do you, do you watch a lot of games or you kind of spend more time focused on your family and getting your mind off the game? No, I do. I, I love I love watching the games. Um, I don't know. I find MLS games too. They're always usually pretty entertaining, one way or another. Um, you know, I watch EPL. EPL and MLS are the two two main ones. Uh, I wish I got more into La Liga and Serie A or Bundesliga, but yeah, it's um, not convenient though. No, exactly. They're uh, it's hard to hard to get them sometimes. But I I love watching EPL. I find that uh you know very fascinating as well and always entertaining. Um, but I, I do enjoy MS, uh, MLS and being able to, you know, you know so many of the guys now and being able to be friends with them or, you know, those are now or former teammates. I feel that the six degrees of separation between, you know, you can find that in like three steps with every, with every team. And so it's, uh, it's kind of cool. There's a lot of just inside stories and being able to, you know, know them on a personal level, it uh, makes it even more entertaining and more enjoyable to watch. Do you do you listen to the, you know, the, the pundits and the commentators? Do you do you tune them out or do you kind of listen to what they're saying? Uh some, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually listen to to the commentary, um, whether I'm actually taking it in or believing it, uh, is another thing, but, uh, I do, I do listen to them. Um, they're, 
Yeah, it's again a lot of them are now friends or former teammates, and it's uh, yeah. it's cool to see them as well. The reason I ask that is, as I think social media nowadays, I you know I I get more angry uh, on social media reading stuff about guys that I played with, and even guys I there's guys I didn't even like that I played against that are now you know I watch more as a fan, and uh, social media is a brutal world uh, for for a soccer player, and uh, you know I know that you've. Uh, you, you've gotten your fair share over the, the last couple of years. And uh, I'm, I'm always curious as to, you know, when you talk to the, the Cades of the world and uh, some of these some of these other young guys, uh, you know, how do you how do you still keep a positive attitude, uh, you know, and maintain a, a social presence on these platforms when, you know, you have a you have a good game. Everyone loves you. You have a bad game. Everyone hates you. Um, you know, and it's only going to get worse. How, how do you maintain a, a social media presence and, and not get too caught up in that stuff? No, absolutely. I think that's one of the finest lines and it's, uh, it's tough. Uh, you know, I think that especially, you know, social media being such a, you know, big platform, especially for the, you know, next generation and something that they use, uh, more regularly. Um, you know, it's something that it can be very tough because like you said, you're either the greatest or you're the worst. There's no in between, um, on any of those, uh, social media platforms, but something that I've always tried to talk about or preach. And it's something that was able to help me tremendously is just to have a circle of people's opinions that you actually care about. And for me, it happens to be my coach, my teammates, uh, and my family. And, um, I'm very lucky where they're not all yes people. They're not all, you know, just uh, rainbows and unicorns, except my daughters, they love the rainbows and unicorns, but, um, <laughs> they, um, my, uh, you know, I have my dad, my brothers who, can be brutally honest, which I need and love and respect their opinion. And they can be, you know, so they, they're the first ones to tell me when I have a good game, but they are especially the first ones to tell me when I have a bad one. And when, uh, or, you know, if I'm not doing something correctly or doing something that they don't think is treating the game with, uh, in the right way. Um, and I, something that I really need and love, and I'm very grateful to have, and it's a, uh, it's a good thing. I love your Instagram account because, you know, you post a lot about your family and uh, it shows people you're you're actually a human. And some, you know, some of these guys that uh, you see on TV actually have a have a soul and have family. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy looking at your stuff. So check him out. He's on Twitter. <laughs> nice. He's on he's on Instagram. Get Go give him some love. And, uh, you know, that that's, I, social media for me is going to be a real a real thing going forward for these young guys. It scares the hell out of me as a parent. Um, oh, absolutely! It's interesting. It's interesting to see how it's escalated, even from the time I retired till two years later, when you're still going. Um, it's scary. Yes, agreed. Well, last thing here, Wando. I, I know you. Uh, you you mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the initiatives you're working with. Uh, I want to give you a chance to to talk about anything else. I know recently they had the big fires in Paradise, uh, and you you were able to get some uh, get get in that community and and raise some money, help them out. Uh, I know you do. Uh, I'm not sure if you're still doing the Common Goal project, um, but if uh, you know, I'd love love for you to share anything that you got going on. Uh, in the world outside of the game that that probably is related to the game on some level yeah absolutely um you know again it was awesome to be able to help uh, the paradise and uh, go up to chico it was um a, you know horrible circumstances but i got to uh, reunite with a lot of my college teammates and we put on together awesome clinic and uh all of that went back to them and to the high school. And so it was pretty cool to do that and see that come out. I am still part of Common Goal, which uh, 1% of the salary goes to there and uh, helps them and helps, uh, you know, fund that and go. There's a lot of great uh, Juan Mata is the one who, um, you know, kind of founded it and is, um, you know, getting also inspirational. And I'm also with uh, Street Soccer USA. I'm an ambassador for them, and they are helping combat uh, homelessness. And so it's a great tool to have. Soccer, you you can't do it by yourself. And even in this world, uh, you know, one decision. And I know for myself, one decision, one mistake, um, one unlucky year of a life, uh, it can can determine yourself and uh, can get you, um, you know, in some bad places. And so I'm very fortunate to have that, but it 
the same time soccer's helped me and it's also just a great way to network and to help get them and they uh they do a great job of of getting you back on your feet and being able to help out and so it's um it's a great uh charity and foundation uh check that one out at street soccer usa awesome man well it's, it sounds like you got some great things going on you know, you're, you're one of the, the feel-good stories of this league. Anyone that's been a fan, you know, since the league was around, they know you as a teammate. I've always been a big fan. I, I think you're, a, you know, a hell of a player and a hell of a guy. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on today. And I, I, if I could give you any advice, it'd be to keep playing. I, You know, I, I think uh, you know, maybe in four years you become a super sub. Uh, you know, and you just, you just keep going, man. You keep plugging away and go for 200 and, and you don't need my goals added in there to get there. So thanks for, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Good luck the rest of the way. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, like I said, a couple of years, we'll get you back on the podcast to, to see how you're doing then. Oh, I would love that. I appreciate you. And thanks for everything you do, Bobby. It's uh it's good catching up. Having Wando on is always great. Uh, anytime you can talk to him, you get to feel his energy. He's got a goofy laugh that makes you happy, or at least makes me happy. And uh, just an all-around humble, great goal-scoring extraordinaire. And uh, we thank him for coming on the podcast today. In the Where Are They Now segment at the end, we discuss players that were talked about. Uh, he'd mentioned Brian Mullen. Brian lives in Colorado now and is an emergency room nurse, refers to himself as a merce. He's gotten heavily into fly fishing, and he still has wonderful, wonderful calf muscles. Uh, he mentioned Dwayne D. Rosario D. Rowe. Uh, is an ambassador to Toronto FC. Uh, he was playing indoor soccer, and he's always posting on his Instagram account, unless, of course... Uh, I'm sending him messages and then he never responds. We look to get him on the podcast at some point. Uh, Eddie Robinson, another uh, another great center back out there in the league. I played with him. Uh, Eddie is the assistant coach for the Houston Dash in the uh, Women's Professional Soccer League. He's also a commentator for the Houston Dynamo. And he's attempting to become a food critic in case you uh, want to see Anything that uh, isn't related to bacon, don't follow him on Instagram because he posts a lot about that. John Bush, small in stature, but big in the entrepreneur world. Uh, he is working on a, a variety of things, but one of them is uh, John Bush Goalkeeping. It's a one-stop shop for goalkeeping training and uh, consulting. He also sells gloves. Uh, give, him a, give him a follow if you can. Uh, Stephen Leonard. We're trying to we're trying to really get him on the show. He's uh, a guy that comes up in a lot of different interviews, different names. Uh, people always drop his. Uh, he's very hard to track down. He's living a nomadic lifestyle, um, much like his movement on the field. It's erratic and hard to uh, pinpoint. But we will uh, get a hold of him, find out what's going on with him, and try to get him on the show if we can lock him down. And uh, last but not least, Gordo, the other Bass brother. Alan Gordon, he's living in Colorado. Uh, he does some occasional social media stuff and uh, he's worked as an analyst a little bit, but he's really plying his trade now in the banking and financial world as a mortgage lender. So uh, that's our uh, Where Are They Now segment. Uh, thank you guys for, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it and look forward to having more guys on uh, later on. Thank you for listening to Play By Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at mlsplayers.org.